City Church, welcome. I get the privilege of, thank you, one, one hand clap over here. <laughs> You're awesome. I get the privilege of introducing our guest speaker today. Uh, I, I think about this, when you, when you hear of somebody that, that travels and speaks and you bring him in once that says something that you heard of them, but in my opinion, when they leave such an impact with you that you desire to bring them back, that says a whole nother something. And Chris has been with us in the past, and he really left a mark on our church. I actually I heard a young adult come up running up to him and say, hey, you were here in 2018, and I want to let you know my whole life has changed because of what you imparted to me, and she's doing YWAM now. So I just want to let you know, um, Chris is the real deal, and everything that he preaches, he lives out. He, between the airport and Coeur d'Alene, he already had told six people and prophesied and prayed for people about Jesus just between that here, here and there. And so everything that he preaches, he really lives. And uh, he's an amazing, not only preacher, evangelist, but a man of God and a friend. So Love would you, you put your hands together and welcome Chris? Love you, brother. You guys ready to go? Come on. Can I, can I give a word to Declan too? That was awesome. That little boy is special. So when Seth was talking about righteousness, I heard in my heart the scripture of, of Proverbs 28, verse 1, where it says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I think that boy's nickname in heaven is going to be the lion. And I believe he's going to be bold for the kingdom of God. And so I just bless him, and I, in, in a way, dedicate this message to him. I don't think it's a, an accident that he got dedicated today as we're talking about this topic. I believe in that word from, the, just like the, Joseph, and how he's going to be both in the marketplace and, and also be doing ministry, and I believe that. So I just believe there's even an impartation that comes on his life today. He's precious. So awesome. I mean, I, he was so peaceful. Wasn't it just amazing? I wish we could have just done baby dedications all morning. Um, that would have been awesome. Are you guys ready to get started this morning? So I, I get the, uh, the honor of closing out this series, and it's the 3 a.m. series, What Keeps You Awake at Night, and this is really what keeps me awake at night, seeing people uh, run the race that God has in front of them and that people would finish that race well. So if you're going to take notes, the title of the message would be, Run Your Race. Say it with me. Say, Run Your Race. That's right. You're not talking to your neighbor or your husband or your wife. You're talking to yourself that you're going to run the race that God has put us in. And we need to understand that the race that we're running is not just our little race in our little town or our little city, but we are a part of a much bigger race that's been happening for thousands of years. You guys believe that? Yeah. And so we need to, I, I hope today that, that as I share with you, you'll see that you're a part of a much bigger story. And I want to start out by sharing a testimony about, about a month ago or so, I think about a month, we were in the Middle East, in Iraq, in a, in a city called Baghdad. You guys have heard of that city before? Yeah, and we were there, and we had the honor of sharing with Muslim background believers, equipping them, and then taking them out on the streets. Doesn't that sound like a lot of fun? Yeah. It was a lot of fun. 
And so we shared, we exhorted, we, we prayed for them, and uh, then it was time to go out. And uh, Leo is, was one of the guys that was there, and uh, they said, Leo, you're going to go with Pastor Chris. And so they paired us up together. What I want you to understand about Leo is this. His wife had a dream, and the dream that she had was Jesus came to her and revealed himself to her. Now, if you guys heard testimonies of, of Muslim uh, background people having dreams of Jesus, it's true. I've met them, okay? There's people actually in the Middle East, missionaries that will stand there and say, with a sign that says, have you seen the man in white? All right? It's pretty wild. And uh, so God's showing up. And so God shows up in a dream. And if that's not enough, God then showed, Jesus then showed up in a vision. A few days later, he appeared to her and said three things to her. You guys want to hear what Jesus said to her? He said, I am the son of God. Obey me and tell others about me. Three things. It sounds a lot like that Bible right there. So he says, this is my identity. My identity is I'm God. Your identity is obeying me, right? You are the best version of yourself when you obey God, right? You didn't create you, so you don't know what's best for you, right? There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. Jesus is life. He's truth, right? He's the, he's the only way. And so obey me. So when you obey him, you're, 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 you're in the perfect will of God, and then tell others about me. Now, we understand that Jesus has something on his mind. Jesus came to seek and to save. See, you know it. He came to seek and to save the lost. So there he is. He, he appears in a vision and says, I am the son of God. Obey me and tell others about me. All right? So she began to tell her husband, Leo, and over time, and he was already hungry for the things of God and and was beginning to search for for more outside of Islam. And what happened was was he actually ended up in a church meeting, and my friend David was praying for him, and Leo heard the audible voice of God. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but Leo did. And God spoke to him and said, you are my son, I love you tell others about me. Can you tell that there's something on Jesus's mind? He loves you. Tell others about him, right? So the race that we're running is, let let, let me read this. You you know this scripture so well. Some of you could probably stand up and and quote it when when I give you the passage in Matthew 28. 16 through 20. I'm going to read out of the ESV. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, not some, right? All. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now you see that where he says, I'll be with you. Come on, I'm excited too. Yes. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. What I want you to understand is, is that when you are saved, you receive the Holy Spirit in your heart, right? 
right? You receive a deposit of the Holy Spirit. You, so at salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit in you for you, okay? With the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire, you receive the Holy Spirit on you for others, in you, for you, on you, for others, right? And Christianity is about you for about the first five minutes. Yeah. And then it's about others as soon as you begin to read the Gospels. Can I hear an amen? amen. Right? <laughs> you have to lose your life to gain it or find it. Come on, we got different translations in the house. I like that. You guys almost threw me off there. All right. So, so we understand that when you see, so what, what I'm trying to show you is, is that you, you can wake up and of course you have Jesus in you as a believer and you can be in the presence of God. But what I want to tell you is, is there is a different, uh, there's a different way that you can interact with the Holy Spirit. When you are living on mission in the race, like, like there is a different uh, way that you interact with Holy Spirit. I, I was in the Middle East before this last trip, and a supernatural door opened for us to preach the gospel in a mosque, right? I remember driving down the road, and I said, can you tell me, please, how dangerous this is? And then I said, please don't tell me. <laughs> and they didn't tell me, and I, I'll never forget when I stepped out of the van, it was as if a blanket wrapped around me, and I could feel the tangible presence of God. I felt it more real than I've ever felt it before in my life, and it was probably the most, the most dangerous place I've ever been in. Do you want to hear what happened? So we walked into the mosque, and they greeted us, and, uh, and, and, and they said all the right things, and, and they said, okay, now please get up and share. And, and they actually, if you've ever been to the Middle East or been around a mosque, they actually broadcast off of speakers, right? So the whole area can hear. And then they Facebook lived it. So all these like guys are like Facebook living in. And, and I got up and I said, uh, Jesus is a healer and, and we're going to pray for the sick. And there was about 300 people there. And, and I said, somebody's here and they have pain in their back. And this woman stood up in the second row. She was about right there wearing all black, fully covered, and she fell out under the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody went, <gasps> she stood up completely healed. Now listen, there was men that were in the back of the mosque and they were mocking us, right? These people, and, and the man who brought us into the mosque was standing back in the back corner in case it went bad, I think he was gonna run out. And um, it's a true story. It's true. And uh, the men that were mocking us begin to say, our hands are on fire. What is happening to us? They're Muslims. Their hands are catching on fire. The man said, it's the Holy Spirit. Lay hands on one another and pray in the name of Jesus. And Muslim men begin to pray in the name of Jesus. And they saw people healed. Yeah, wrap that in your theology. Like, it was wild. God began to move, and then I sat down, and, and, and my, my friend got up, David, and he preached the gospel, and from what we could see, we have a picture of it, pretty much every hand raised to receive Christ. Come on, guys. Is that not amazing? 
Now, now we need to understand that unless we go with the gospel, we don't really grow. So like Reinhard Bonnke says it this way, if you're sitting at a table with a track athlete, right, and, and let's say an Olympic athlete, and, and, and you're looking at that athlete, you might think there's potential there, like, okay, but you don't really see the power until you take them outside and you tell them to run, right? It's like the Holy Spirit. Until you go with the gospel, you don't truly grow, and if you don't grow in that, then you never truly know. Right, you, you look at people that, that truly walk with God and, and do great exploits, and you're like, man, those people are incredible. You could name them. Maybe it's your grandma or your grandpa. Maybe it's a, a famous preacher, and you think, man, those people truly know God. But they actually were just obedient and consistently obedient long enough to truly see God move. So what, what I want you to see is, is that we have to go with the gospel. And until you step out, the power's not going to be there, right? I was kind of fearful, right? But when I stepped out of that van, I could feel the nearness and the closeness of God. And God showed up. Do you want to hear something crazy that happened? In that nation or in the Middle East, it's a shame and honor culture. You guys, you guys follow me? And so they called and they said, how dare you bring Christians into our place of worship? They, they were so mad. So the guy who took us in that was standing in the back said this, how dare you? And they stopped. What do you mean? You asked them if they were Christians. And the moment that you asked them, they had to share. Shame on you. And then he said this, I've talked to our leader he, the leader was Jesus. He didn't tell him that. I talked, to Je I talked to our leader. This is a true story. It happened. And he said that you're going to open up more mosques for us. And because they had shamed us, they opened up three or four more mosques. Can you believe the wisdom of God? It's just like, if you want a story, you can get one today. You can have one. I, I, was, I was born in Woodland, Washington, like just right like five and a half hours away, grew up on a dairy farm, couldn't read, but I believe, right? You can believe and you can begin to go with the gospel. In a moment, I'm going to begin to preach, so I want to give you a couple practical things. What am I asking you to do today, practically? I'm saying sometime this week, could you step out and say to somebody, can I pray for you? Could, could you invite somebody to church? Could you, could you go? Could you say, you know what? I've lived in this neighborhood for five years now. I haven't talked to any of my neighbors. I'm going to go, and I'm going to share the gospel with my neighbors. You know, th there's a lot of people that are like, I can't wait to go on a mission trip. I'm going to go to Mexico. I'm going to go to Canada, if they ever open up the borders. I'm going to go to the Middle East, and, and, and we live with this mission mindset that, that's like, when I go on that mission trip, God's going to use me. What if your mission became where your feet were, right? And then everywhere you went, you lived on mission, heal the sick, cast out demons, preach the gospel. 
what if you begin to live that way? Right, we go on a mission trip and we see God move and we come back and we talk about it for five years. Well, while you're talking about your mission trip, I'm living on mission. Well, God doesn't move that way in America. Yes, he does. He did yesterday. The reality is, is that, that we as the church expect God to move on the mission trip. But do we expect him to move on Monday morning? When we walk into Walgreens or when we walk into Fred Meyer, or we, do we have the same expectancy of God moving? Do we really believe that we're running a race? Do we really believe that God could use us today on a Sunday after church? As exciting as preaching is, what's about to happen after we leave here is way better. Come on, we got to live with the mission being wherever our feet are. So my question is, are you running the race? Now, of course, there is more to the Christian life than evangelism, all right? I understand that. I actually know people that share their faith and their life is a wreck. I know that we're focusing on evangelism today, but the race is a lot more than just telling people that Jesus loves them. Can I get an amen? Right, we need to be solid, all about community, the local church, all of that. Today, we're going to focus on evangelism. Is that okay? All right. So the original call, it never changed. It has not changed, right? There has not been another call that came out. And you guys are going to finish this for me. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you. Have you gone fishing this week? Come on, buddy. But think about this for a minute. If the original call was, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. So let me say it this way. I believe that you can be a believer, full of the Holy Spirit, going to heaven, like locked in with God, and absolutely miss the missional call of God on your life. I have a strong conviction that this be true. Like, I know a lot of people that love God they, they, they love the people they come into contact with. They love the local church, but they're not fishers of men. Now, I can feel it in the room. The room goes, well, that's not what I'm called to. That is a lie. If you are, believe, if you are a believer and you are breathing, you are called to share your faith. Actually, let me say it this way. You, you, you don't do witnessing. You are a witness, whether you want to be or not. You're either witnessing what it looks like to be on fire for God or witnessing what it looks like to be lukewarm or you're witnessing what it looks like to be backslidden. You're a witness. Come on, can I, somebody give me an amen. amen. Just, just think about this for a minute. We, somebody came to me one time, I'm gonna get fiery. Is that okay? They said you guys are crazy. I know you don't know me, but I'm just gonna go there. Are we good to go? All right, locked in, here we go. Somebody once asked me, Chris, are you, does it ever feel awkward for you to share your faith? I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> awkward? I only feel awkward when I don't. Paul says, woe is me if I don't share the gospel. Come on. The reality is, is that we have compartmentalized our Christianity. 
I'm the prayer person, you're the outreach person, you're the pastoral person, that is wrong. That's not true. That the evangelist and the pastor and the prophet actually are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So you are called to prophesy. You are called to evangelize. You are called to disciple. And you are called to teach. Come on, somebody. Like, like the days of a man or woman of God on a stage are over. God is looking for full body ministry where we all get involved because if we're going to win the world, we need all of us to be on the track, in the lane, running. So if, if you can hear me right now, you're called to share your faith. Now, that doesn't mean that you're called to get on an airplane and go to the Middle East, okay? Or I was in Brazil a couple days ago. Like, you're not, that's okay. Or, and you're not even, you may not even be called to stand behind a pulpit and preach. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, do your co-workers know that you're saved? If you've been at work for over a year and your co-workers don't know if you're a believer, something's the matter. Is it okay if I, it's, it's Pastor Craig's fault. He told me to. He said, he said, go for it. And I said, but you don't really know what's down inside there. It's a, it's a whole lot of fire. Everybody told me when I got born again that I would calm down. They lied to me. They said, this is just a honeymoon season. This will just happen for a little while. He's going to calm down. He's going to become like us. Did you hear that? He'll be like us one of these days. I've never stopped growing in God every day. I mean, Pastor Craig knows I'm worse now than I was two years ago, right? We're called to go from glory to glory, right? Come on. I just hope to like stir up passion in you today. So let's, let's do this. I had, a, I had a vision, it, it marked me, like I, I don't see many visions, I have some dreams, um, but I saw this vision, it was like a, a movie reel in front of me and this frame came out and it was a picture of a four by 100 meter relay. You guys know what that is? We're one lap, four guys. And it reminded me of when I was in high school and I ran that race, I was the slowest person to run uh, I was the slowest one on the team. I remember when they came to me, I remember where I was on the track, and they asked me, would you run this race with us? You're not that slow. That's very encouraging, right? <laughs> I said, sure. So, so I uh, ran the race. Now, in the 4 by 100 meter relay, the first leg is ran most of the time by the, fastest, the second fastest runner, the second leg by the third fastest, the third leg was me, the slowest, and then the fourth leg is the fastest, right? Like the one that runs the fastest. So when I ran that race, the person coming into my lane was faster than me, and he wore track spikes. You do not want to get hit by track spikes. It was extra motivation to run really quick, okay? I don't have track spikes with me today, but if I did, I might use them on you. No, I'm joking. I would never do that. Okay. So, so I would be in the lane, I would start running, right? And the guy was faster behind me. I'd get the baton, I would begin to run. And then the guy that received the baton from me is faster 
than me, and I've got to run to get him the baton. Hear it like this, church. I believe that the book of Acts, okay, is not a history book, it's a playbook. I believe that we're not trying to get back to the book of Acts. We're going to far exceed the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the starting point of where we should have taken off from. And the apostles ran the first leg of the race. And then it declined a little bit. And then we kind of hit the bottom, right? And we're coming up out of the bottom. But the generation after us is going to run the fastest race ever ran. What I need you to understand is this. We celebrate Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Deborah and Ruth and Esther. And we get so excited about all these Old Testament heroes in the faith. And then we get into the New Testament and Peter and John and, and, and all these amazing uh, people in the New Testament. And we're like, yes, they're amazing. And then we think that it's over. It's not over. Spoiler alert. It's not over. Is it? I like you. You need to travel with me. It's not over. Just as important as Abraham is, as David is, you are. It says that John the Baptist was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Because he only prophesied about that which was to come. Right? His head was chopped off by Jezebel. Right? His head was cut, cut off before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So he prophesied, there comes one after me that will baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. He never received that which he prophesied, but you and I have. So do you understand that we are the fulfillment of the prophecy and they long to be in the moment that we are now in? So as important as Abraham, as important as Peter, you are just as important. You're actually finishing their race. It says in Hebrews that there is a great cloud of witnesses, and right now they're standing there in heaven, and they're listening to me preach, and they're getting excited because maybe a couple hundred people in Idaho would say, here I am, God, send me. They need you to believe because until the gospel of the kingdom is preached to the entire world, Jesus won't come back and they won't get their resurrected body. Do you understand that you are a part of that race? Do you believe it or do you just think, man, I just wake up in the morning, check out my social media and do my thing and no, 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 it's way bigger than that. You are a part of the greatest race ever ran and you may be slow like me. You may be unqualified. You may have moment, moments where you fall into sin and you think you're under condemnation and shame. I'm telling you, get up. Get on the track and begin to run because Jesus is coming back and we have to win as many of his kids back as we possibly can. Come on. It's time. It's time that we run. It's time that you run. I came here not to do the work of ministry. 
to be the evangelist that comes in and sees people get saved. I came here to equip you to do the work of the evangelist. I came here to stir you up so that tomorrow when you go to work, you can't help but to share your faith. Now listen, I'm gonna go over four things very quickly. The first thing is this, the prophets prophesied, did they not? The prophets prophesied in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, it says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, right? The key of David, the cross, come on! They prophesied about Jesus. They spoke about him. And they, were, they didn't know when, but they knew that he was coming. And then salvation came. Salvation is not a prayer, it's a person. That's why when, I believe his name is Simeon in the, in the Bible, when he sees Jesus, the baby, he says, my eyes have seen thy salvation. This is why Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Wisdom is a person. Truth is a person. Salvation is a person. Peace is a person. This is Jesus and Jesus came, right? He came from heaven and it says this in Luke 4, 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he begins to declare the prophecy that the prophets prophesied. And he said, hey, here I am. And then he rolled up the scroll. Is it all right if I get excited? Come on, wake up, heart of the city church. We are about ready to run the greatest race ever ran. And if you can hear my voice, you are called to run that race. So he took the scroll, he rolled it up, he handed it back, and he sat down. Do you know that there was a seat in the synagogue reserved for the Messiah that nobody would sit in? And when he sat in that seat, he said, here I am, the great I am. That which the prophets prophesied is here. It's among you. So the prophets prophesied it. Jesus proclaimed it. And then we know that the apostles, they ran with it. Did they not? They ran with it. In Acts 3, you see them as they went up to the gate called beautiful they see the lame man who was laid there day after day and they say silver and gold we don't have but what we have we will give you do you understand that you have the same thing that the kingdom of God is on the inside of you silver and gold this world system it does not have me but what has me is the kingdom of God you have the same kingdom in you It says that those that believe in my name, they will. They will cast out demons. They will heal the sick. They will preach the gospel. Come on. It's not just for a select few. It's for everybody who believes. And then number four, we continue to advance that which they passed on to us. 
Think about this, the fire that came into the upper room. Think about this, that fire that came and divided on each one of them as they begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the fire that took people from being cowards, right, to being great men and women of God. That same fire is the same fire that's in the room today. Do you, do you believe that? That when this worship team in a moment, when they begin to play and we begin to sing about chains breaking, I'm telling you, it's the same God. He's never changed and the chains are about to break. Do you believe that? I believe that with my entire heart. That's why every day I see God move in a miraculous way. God is a supernatural God. I didn't come here to give you a pep talk. I didn't come here to, to pump you up for a moment. I came here to tell you, listen, get in the race, get in the lane, begin to run. And as you begin to run, God will empower you. And you'll begin to see people be transformed by the gospel. Do you wanna know maybe why we didn't see somebody saved this week in our life? It's because we didn't preach the gospel. If you preach the gospel, if we left here right now and we went and shared the gospel with 200 people, I bet you one of them will get saved. If you want to see somebody healed, pray for the sick. If you want to see somebody delivered, cast out demons. Come on, this is what we're called to do as believers. This is not a pep rally. This is me coming and saying that same message that the apostles preached is for you and I. And we can enter that race. That's why every time I share this, I can begin to feel the atmosphere in the room. It begins to shift. Because heaven is saying amen. Heaven is saying don't be a consumer Christian. Be a Christian that yes, is satisfied by God, but then goes and shares God with the world. Just as Jesus appeared to that woman and said, I am the son of God obey me and tell others about me jesus in his word has said the same to you he is who he is we are to obey him and we are called to take that message to the world starting right here i meet a lot of people in their youth and they go i'm going to go to africa i'm going to change the world i'm going to go to cambodia and change the world why would god send you to africa if you can't preach the gospel at walmart what are you going to say when you get there? Listen to me, young people. Begin now to be consistent with your walk with Jesus and watch where God will take you. Yes, Africa needs you, but what about your home city? It needs you just the same. I want to end with this prophetic word, and then we are going to sing a song. Amen? Amen. Will you guys stand with me? And if you're here and your heart is burning... And I'm, as I'm preaching, I know I just exhorted and got excited, but if you're here right now and you know that this message is for you and you want to, I understand that not everybody can fit down here, but you feel specifically that this message is for you, I want you to come out of your seat, fill the altar, if that's for you. If not, no, no, no worry, you stay in your seat. Listen to this. We know this story in, in Mark 4, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. 
Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat, and as was, and, and, and other little boats were also with him. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. And he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they woke him up. By the way, him is God. So they woke God up, and they said to him, okay, you guys ready for this? We do not want to be these Christians. Okay, I need you to understand that God is in your boat. If you are a born-again believer, God is in your boat. We do not want to wake God up in our prayer time and say, hey, God, listen to what they said. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Can you imagine waking up the person who created you, knows every hair on your head, knows exactly, he, you're with God in the boat and saying, do you not care about me? But if we're not careful, listen, I wanna prophesy this word to you. Much of the church is saying, God, do you not see us? What's gonna happen next? And the church is getting her eyes on herself and off the mission, right? But this is what I want you to hear. He rebukes them kindly. And what happens to that boat? The boat makes the shore, am I right? Oftentimes we quit preaching, but on that shore was a demoniac who had a legion of demons, right? God created the wind, he created the waves, but in this story, we see that Jesus rebukes that which he created, meaning he doesn't have to rebuke his creation. He was rebuking a demonic storm that was trying to hold a boat back from the shore. Right now, church, we are in a demonic storm called COVID, called racial tension, called whatever you want to fill in. It is a crazy storm out there. And I'm telling you that the legion that was on that beach knew that when Jesus stepped foot on that shore, that that demoniac would run to his feet and be delivered. The religious people went and tried to help him. The police department went and tried to help him. It says they could not keep him shackled. But when Jesus made the shore, what happened? The chains fell off. Come on. The storm that you are in right now is a prophetic word that your boat is about ready to hit the beach. It's gonna hit the beach. It's gonna hit the beach. The devil is so scared right now. He's so scared. He is throwing everything at us, trying to stop us. And I am prophesying to you, Heart of the City Church, and I am telling you, get your eyes off of yourself. Get them on God who is in your boat, because that boat is gonna hit the shore, and we are gonna see this city have an encounter with Jesus. And then what happens? The demoniac is in his right mind. And he says, Jesus, Jesus, let me go with you in your boat. And Jesus says, no. Go back into the cities and share with them what I have done for you. Do not be the Christian that gets delivered and says, Jesus, take me to heaven. I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. That is not good theology. 
We don't want Jesus to come back because I was just in a city where there was five million people and only a hundred of them knew Jesus. It is the most selfish prayer we can pray as believers, oh Jesus, come back. No, Jesus, give me some time. I've got some work to do for you. You've saved me and you've filled me with a message and I have the baton. I have the baton in my hand and I'm gonna run this race as fast as these little feet will take me and I'm gonna tell as many people as I can. Don't be that believer that's waiting for Jesus to come back and you're just holding on. No, you have received a deposit of the Holy Spirit and He is in you and He has equipped you for the race that you are running. He'll come back when it's time. Until then, get in the race. So as we sing this song, I believe that chains are gonna break off of people. I believe that people are gonna enter into the race and that we're gonna see this city impacted this week in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen.